0: And I'm really excited to introduce my guest, Amelia Starr, today. We've been kind of going back and forth and talking about having this conversation for like practically a year since she had invited me to be on her podcast, Purifying Truths, which, by the way, is an awesome podcast. You should totally check it out. So, Amelia Starr is a published author of her book, The Many Facets of a Star, Pun intended, Purifying Truths. She's also a ghostwriter who places God first. And as I mentioned before, she is the podcast host of Purifying Truths, which is all about shining a light on those who illuminate the world with their talents and expertise, and especially focused on talking about the impact of domestic violence. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Amelia is an international speaker, inspiring others to overcome life's challenges. She is a loss transformation consultant, helping others to overcome loss and reach their next level. And as I mentioned, she is a domestic violence advocate, creating a safe place for those dealing with trauma of domestic abuse. Although her life has been riddled with uncertainty, rejection, violence, and even death, it also has been a series of inconceivable triumphant moments. Amelia incessantly and unapologetically strives to shine bright to be the best version of who God has destined her to be, a star or a star. Amelia, welcome. I am so glad you're here. Oh my
1: goodness. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh my goodness, brings back memories, memories from our last conversation and when you were on um, Purifying Truth. So I'm so happy to be here today.
0: I am so happy to have you here today. And, you know, it is like, this is airing during Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And, you know, this is such an incredibly important topic. And the intersection between being a highly sensitive, empathic person and domestic violence some people might not see the link up but if you are an empath who's endured domestic violence then you know you're going to see the link up but i always love to start with just talking about what it was like to be younger what it was like to be highly sensitive what it was like to be an empathic or you know if you identify as an empath like just what it was like especially and how maybe you see that affecting your vulnerability to abuse, you know, to domestic abuse.
1: Well, thank you so much for asking. That is such an amazing question. So, you know, first, I'd like to kind of go into my definition of an empath.
0: That is wonderful. I always, I'm always really interested in hearing what other people's definitions of an empath is because mileage may vary. Yes, is true. Yeah. Um,
1: So, you know, when I think of an empath, and remember, I'm A-star, different, right? Not of the human race, <laughs> it's being funny, but, you know, I'm um, from a broader prospect. I feel other people's pain, right? Yes. So yes. Um, yes, what it is, I look at you and I see what's right and what's wrong. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I'm one of those people that want to fix the world.
0: Mm -hmm. And not
1: that there's something wrong with everyone, but we all can be improved. And so if you're going through something that I've been through or that I've seen someone go through or just that I have had the same feeling, it's like we're kindred spirits and I'm drawn to you like a moth, I guess, to a flame, as they say. Mm -hmm. And so we begin to have a relationship, friendship, what have you. And that's what being an imp is to me. How that is harmful, well, not everyone has pure intentions. Yep. And not everyone wants to be fixed. And it can get you in some sticky situations because you believe that others are like you. And Mm -hmm. many times that's true, but many times it's not.
0: Right. And... As, you know, I mean, as an empath, I think so often we tend to lead with our good intentions and believing in and seeing the best in people. Mm -hmm. And so often it seems like narcissism and domestic violence kind of go hand in hand. And narcissists are really good at masking and really appearing to have our best interest at heart when we first meet them, and as an empath, we can, like, you know, just fall hook, line, and sinker mm-hmm. before we even realize, like, what hit us. Yes,
1: yeah. that is so very true. I see that not only in my own life, but in my mother's life, and, um, well, my grandmother, she was pretty strong. She she went through it, but hers was very short-lived because she just, you know, cut mm-hmm. cut things off, but many times we don't, and... That leads us into trouble uh, yeah, in so yeah. many more ways. And and it's a generational thing, you know. The trouble that the parents go through leads on to trouble for the children. And God forbid if we don't correct it to the grandchildren, it just repeats generation after generation. So thank you for shining a light on this particular topic.
0: Oh, it's so incredibly important. And I mean, you know as you just said, it's like, if we do not correct this, it is going to get, it's a can that just keeps getting kicked down the road from Mm -hmm. one generation to the next, to the next. I will make a comment that, you know, one thing I've noticed, you commented about how your grandmother just did not have, like, she just did not, not have the space for it. Like, she was just like, yeah, not in my watch, not happening for me. And one thing I've noticed is that, I don't know whether it's that women of 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 like our grandmother and great-grandmothers generations were more secretive or if life was was it was just like I don't know like maybe quieter there was less going on but I've definitely noticed this thing where it seems like these sort of like our mothers and kind of the newer generations, but like I don't know, like in I don't know when your grandmother was born, but like noticing, like it seems as if some of these phenomenon of women pursuing or getting into these relationships with these like you know rotten eggs or these kind of mm-hmm. like you know just not great. Like the joke uh, my husband and I have about certain kinds of people is their picker is broken and. You know, like they just don't know how to pick a good relationship. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely like I've seen the phenomenon where like I know the story well enough to know that the, the grandmother or the great grandmother was in a perfectly functional, not necessarily great, but perfectly functional, not abusive marriage. And then all of a sudden it's like this whole generation, but all of her daughter's like picked horrible alcoholics and just like bad relationships. And I wonder, I don't know if this is something you've noticed, but it's almost like there seems to be this kind of like phenomenon of women who like just made worse choices. Like in the last, I don't know, like 50 to 75 years, it seems like there's been a lot, like a lot more bad choices made. Does that make sense to you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll share with you. So my grandmother, a small town, I guess you'll call it down south in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And um, she was a rebel. She went against the grain. And so most people of that generation take things to their grave, right? They sweep it under the rug, whether it's Susie having a baby or Mikey making a baby or or whatever in the name of church, right we're mm-hmm. good christians we don't do that so when you yes. have the baby you go off to somewhere else to stay with somebody because it's all hidden and she didn't hide it she got married she told me that he hit her i don't even know who he is but she got divorced Period. Wow. People didn't get divorced back then because that's no. not what the Bible says, right. according to translation back then. I now since believe that that's untrue. But back then, that's what was preached. You don't get It divorced. was completely
0: preached. And, and like the whole stand by your man, yes. I mean, you know. And the whole thing of like women going to their pastors and saying, I have a problem. My husband is beating me. And the answer that women were being given was, you just need to double down on your femininity and your loyalty. And obviously you are doing something to piss him off. You need to be a better wife. Mm -hmm. And there was no support whatsoever for women back then. And you had to be
1: submissive, right? uh, Right. Um, You had to do what? Because you're the, the lesser you're the weaker one and so a lot of things i believe unfortunately the bible twisted yeah so that people misunderstood so with that being said the next generation my mom's generation they're sick of it like i'm not wearing those long dresses i'm not putting on no pantyhose i don't know if i'm even going to wear panties you know what i mean i'm going to live free and you're not going to tell me what to do well the problem with that was you didn't have any example
0: Right. So you went
1: straight from you can't do anything to now I'm going to do everything free for all. So you have no protection. Yeah. Those narcissists realize that they pick the good church girls, you know, the people that grew up in the church, the people that know, quote unquote, this is the woman's place and this is the man's place. And this is what you do, because I'm one also Mm -hmm. wasn't just my mom Mm -hmm. and you are attracted to, oh my goodness, I don't want them to go to jail. Oh my goodness, I can help them. They're a good person if they would just stop doing A, B, and C. I can help them. (laughs) Classic empath words. (laughs) And that's what happened, I believe, because in my grandmother's generation, it was so unheard of. You Mm -hmm. know, thank God she was a rebel. So I do have a point of reference because when she married again to my grandfather, all things were I never seen him raise his voice, hit her, nothing. You know, they literally got along a fairy tale from what I saw. Now I'm the grandchild, so I don't know the details, but she did raise me until I was 15. And he lived for, I think I was five or six. So um, never was afraid of him. Gentle, giant, amazing man. I didn't get that in my dad you know, my mom just didn't, which is why I was raised by my grandma, mm-hmm.
0: you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I do think it's a generational thing. And yeah. so if you've endured it, you're embarrassed. right? right. So many right. times on, like my mom's generation, they're embarrassed. So we don't want to tell because yes. things look good on the outside. Yeah. So what goes at home What goes on at home stays at home. What happens behind these doors stays behind these doors. So Mary's getting beat by her husband and so is her best friend, Susie, but they never communicate that. Because as my mom would say, you don't tell everything, you cross your legs, don't show the world everything. Mm, Mm. mm, So then I grew up, I'm like, I don't want to show everything. So if it happens, you know, again, church, well, what did you do? Were you being submissive? Well, have you done? And then- Life will just just hide it. You know, don't tell anybody. And for years I lived in that prison years. I didn't tell a soul because on the outside, you know, I had everything I wanted. I was doing everything I wanted. You know, I have, quote unquote, the perfect life. And for some reason, society today and my generation wants the perfect life It doesn't have to be the perfect life as long as it looks like it is. And you see that on social media everywhere.
0: Everywhere. I (laughs) saw the funniest thing on social media and what this has, you know, some people may like. So I saw the funniest thing where somebody was using a toilet seat, holding a toilet seat up next to their head and doing a tight close up so that it looked like they were flying in an airplane. (gasps) it's like, because it's the same shape as the airplane (laughs) window. And it's like, oh my God, you know, our need to look good, like the Mm -hmm. curating that people do of their existence and the way that we are, we are being misled to think that things are happening that are not happening. I mean, it is so lethal for us. It's awful. So let's go back to your story, I mean, first, well, actually, before we even go back there, I want to just hold up the piece that you said, because I love this. You were talking about how you've got almost like this whole generation of women who suddenly it's like, there's this freedom, but there's no boundaries. There's no sense of rules. And there's no, like nobody, it's like, you're just playing. It's like, they're like being led like lambs to the slaughter Mm -hmm. because there's, and and I he really hear you. I mean, I didn't learn anything about what to be looking for in a boyfriend. I didn't really learn anything about like I knew I needed to go Dutch treat because, you know, like it was I was supposed to be a feminist and everything. But it was almost like with this idea of kind of women's liberation and freedom. There was a way in which our sense of like self-protection and self and boundaries they just disappeared. And so as you were speaking about that, I'm like, yeah. And then I don't know about you, but listening to so much of the music too, there's so much reinforcement in like music, in romance novels, in movies and televisions of women going for the bad boy and the whole sort of story of like, he's the wounded, hurt, broken dude and, but you come, you've got the heart of gold that's going to turn him around and make him better. Like, I mean, the it's just incredible how much conditioning there is for us to just like, just follow that Pied Piper into uh-huh. that disaster zone. Yeah. So I just wanted to be like, yes, yes. Yeah. So tell me, I'm really curious about like, you know, your journey and what it was like for you as a highly sensitive empath, like when you met, you know, I am you know, when you met like, like what happened? Like, was it love at first sight? Like what drew you like a moth to the flame to your situation?
1: So I remember uh, I was brought up by my grandmother Yeah, And even though there were certain things she wouldn't tolerate, there were certain things that she ingrained values, morals, and what would I call them? Traditions. Mm -hmm. So I was brought up, cook, clean, and have babies. That's my purpose. Cook, clean, and have babies. And so I knew how to cook. I knew how to clean. And my whole purpose was to have babies. Wow. So my grandfather, my grandmother was a light woman and my grandfather was dark, like almost as dark as possible. Mm. And I'm a little bit in between. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to get into the colorism of African-Americans, but it is truly there. Um, Yeah. So my grandmother with her tradition was, you know, in order to get married, so you can have these babies, you need to be girly and you need to be pretty. So... My nose is too big. So I had a clothespin. I mean, I wore a clothespin for hours, right? So that was part oh of it. My the other God. part <laughs>
0: that... I mean, I've heard I've heard about getting your scalp burned from like straightening combs. Oh, and yes. But I have never <laughs> this is the first time I've heard about the clothespins. Oh no, that, that's I am so
1: oh, oh it just no. breaks my
0: heart. No, no, no,
1: don't, don't, don't take it that way. It's no. just what she, you it's, know, it's when you know better, did. you do better. Right. right. And so this is what, what she thought was going to help me. She yeah. didn't do it out of abuse or anything no, like that. No, She's no. such a loving, kind woman, but you know, she wanted to get me ready for my husband and right. I couldn't have a big nose and, you know, I don't know how much the clothes plan helped anyway. I was going like, to did it actually do anything other <laughs> than just make it hard to breathe? <laughs> but then when I, and this was all after school. So let's Uh just say I went to school and we played on the playground. Well, she knew if I was in the sun or not, right? So if I was in the sun, then I had got too dark. And I'm thinking, well, big daddy's dark. What are you talking about? But anyway, um, it was okay for the man to be dark, but not for... So she she put noxzema on me. So I'd have noxzema until it dries up. And then I don't believe it removes sunburn, but she did. So it's what we did. And again, thing for me the best grandmother I could have had. Again, you deal with what you know. So when she had enough because of my attitude and my teenage rebellion, and she sent me to my mom, obviously I didn't go through that, but I still had those values. I need to cook, clean. I gotta have these babies. I'm looking like, who do you have the babies to, right? Yeah. I'm still in the rebel stage. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I'm gonna be purple black. I'm going to start tanning. I'm going to go to the beach. Nobody can tell me how again. And that's what I believe when my mom got of of that situation, not my grandmother's situation, but I'm saying the generation, right? Yeah. Where you just go bonkers, right? You go, wow. Yeah. So my yeah. thing was, I'm going to get the darkest man I see, darkest one I see, and I'm going to have dark babies. Ah. <laughs> you know. And so that was what I was attracted to physically. And then I came from thinking I was a princess. I was just spoiled little brat. But when I moved with my mom, I wasn't so spoiled at all. She let me know I was one of three and, you know, get it together. Wow. And so yeah. I kind of wanted somebody that was going to spoil me, right? Yeah. I wanted somebody that was going to see I'm going to be the best cooker, cleaner, and mother that you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I thought was what I was supposed to get into. So certainly when I ran across somebody that said, you're going to be my wife, I was like, oh my goodness, I think I am. (laughs) Let's do this, right? There was no love. There was no any of that. It was like, well, let's check (laughs) this box, check this box. Okay, I guess we're going to do it. Right, you'll have me. (laughs) (laughs) So innocent and desperate, but that
0: father-like figure. Yeah.
1: And so with that, comes to control yes. Yeah. obviously you know so much more with that you think the control is love but it's not you know it's manipulation and control
0: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. by
1: time you figure out that oh my god you know he's spying on me while i go to the grocery store this isn't normal i don't think i'll tell anybody oh goodness now i'm getting yelled at because i stopped at the dollar tree too oh what's going on and he, mm. but now you're in deep and in my case now you got babies Mm. Mhm. Mhm. So that's kind of how it started for me and again I saw my mom but swept under the rug. I saw but she didn't tell anybody and I better not
0: tell anybody. Right. Right. Well in the secrecy, I mean, I mean God only knows how many hundreds if not thousands of years domestic violence has just been going on. I mean it's only been but in some parts of even, I think, America, it's only been within the last, like, I don't even know. I think somebody was saying that marital rape was mm-hmm. legal in so many different states up until the mid-80s or something. Like, I think that was the statistic I heard. And so, I mean, we're only just really now as women starting to have these conversations and talking about what's going on and comparing notes.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, it's truly a pandemic. We think COVID's a pandemic. right? Domestic violence is the oldest it pandemic is. because no one, you know, kept it on an open log, right? Where we got this many people and this, because most of the times the survivors don't tell. And we do have to break the silence. And like you said, just a few of us are now starting to open up and when you do you find out whew, there are so many more like you than are not yeah most people are hiding behind some sort of abuse and all domestic violence or domestic abuse is not physical no you know you got the verbal the emotional the financial the psychological there's so much so some form or another if you haven't been through it, you know someone that has, whether they're right. telling you or not.
0: Whether they're telling you or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, uh, you know, I was watching, um, there was this woman who did, I watched a TikTok a, a, week, a week or so ago that was called mm-hmm. Girl Dinner. And this woman, she's like, does a lot of deconstruction about women's roles in society and talking about just even like, like one of the things, a married woman. With children loses seven hours a week of personal time. And a man gains an hour Mm -hmm. when he gets married. There are so many things that are baked into our culture that as women, we just are like, oh, this is just the way it is. And men also, this is just the way it is. That I think that there's a lot of stuff that we don't even question Mm -hmm. that may not be domestic violence itself, but it certainly reinforces a culture that makes women be often very subordinate. Mm-hmm. And even women who are doing like really amazing things with powerful careers and wonderful stuff, it's like they're still following a set of rules in their home environment that is where, where it's like the pow- you know the power gets all wonky.
1: I agree. I agree you have you I know you have but think of the song it's a man's world the phrase it's a man's world you know that right there is just kind of letting you know honey you don't have a chance you don't have a chance And many times we buy into that yeah it takes courage and strength to go against the grain and I think we maybe have to break talk about it but you have to do something right once we know again better we have to do better so we see oh my goodness it's not just me Because that's how they kind of get us. We think we're all alone. We think that it's just us. Nobody else cares and nobody's going to believe us. You know, all the things. But once you get past that and you've proven that wrong to yourself, now what are you going to do to help the next person? What are you going to do to make a change? Because you got out, is not enough.
0: It is not enough, no. Mm
1: -hmm. Because you have the next generation that you don't want. To be like you or
0: worse. Right. Or worse. So let's go back to that point where, so you started realizing something was not right. You're like going to the grocery store and stopping at the dollar store and you're getting reprimanded for going to the dollar store. At what point did, like, how long did it take? Like, what did it take to go from, mm, this is, is this okay? To, this is weird, to, this is not right, to, I need to do something about it too. I'm going to do something about it or I am doing something about it. So
1: being my feisty self, I immediately decided I was going to do something about it. But being my empath self, I was easily reeled back in. I'm done. I'm leaving. I don't need this. Blah, blah, blah. Packing up. I'm so sorry. There's one more chance. Just aww. Well, just one more, you promise, you know. So you get in that cycle. It's this yes. hot cycle. Yes. And so it wasn't that I didn't know, it was that I really want to help. Yeah. Yeah. And so I heard a statistic once that said, um, seven times. Yes. It usually takes seven times. And I did not know that I was on time number seven in order to be a survivor and not a statistic. Mm. Mm. So I didn't I didn't know that any of that. But you know when enough is enough. When you have that intuition, that inside voice that begins to yell that you can't ignore it, that you have to go. And so that is what happened to me. And it took 17 years before enough was enough to go and stay gone.
0: Thank you. Thank you thank you for saying that because I really, I I just want to repeat what you just said. It took 17 years Mm -hmm. for enough to be enough and for you to go and stay gone. Mm -hmm. This is not an overnight process. It
1: definitely isn't. it It does. And especially, I think especially if, you're not the narcissistic personality, right? Right. Because you do want to help. And if this time is going to make it better, is it going to be hopefully, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, what about the babies? Right. Well, I don't want them to be without, well, what about, you know, so you think of so many different things and they use these ploys. And I totally believe that that's why they're so apt to get you pregnant right away. Remember, mm-hmm. I was all on board because I was yeah, taught you, that way. You
0: were taught that way. You were looking, then, for, you were looking for a baby daddy. Like, right. Yeah. And
1: they were looking for someone to have because now you got a little bit more of control.
0: Yep. Right. Because
1: you're yep. going to use that child. You're going to use that situation to your benefit, mm-hmm. not because of love. Mm -hmm. but because of your narcissistic and psychopathic tendencies. Right.
0: Well, and I also think that one of the things that I see with narcissists is that, you know, they drink their own Kool-Aid and Mm -hmm. and, and, like they're high on their own supply. They believe themselves. And the thing is when an empath, an empath can detect a liar because we can feel the conflict inside of them Mm -hmm. when they're lying and they know they're lying. We can feel that like there's something incongruous. But I think the thing with the narcissist is that every single time they bring you a bouquet of flowers and they go, baby, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm never going to do it again. Uh I didn't mean it. That they mean it. They really believe it themselves. Like They have conned themselves into this. And every part of them is like, showing up with that sincerity and as the empath that's all you're feeling is their sincerity when they're saying it and so you're just like oh maybe he really means it this time time. maybe he's really going to change this time maybe Mm -hmm. it's going to be different this time Mm -hmm. that is so true
1: and that's why i believe that we have to not just speak up but teach the next person the next generation the next Whatever, because um, you know domestic violence is male, female, black, white, green, yellow. You know, every everybody, everybody, everybody can be. I hate the word victim, but can be victimized by domestic yes. violence. Yes. Um. A casual. Everybody of it? can survive. Ah, yes. So we need to be sharing our techniques. And mm-hmm. one that allowed me not to get sucked back in is absolutely cutting the cord. Absolutely. I don't need to hear you say how much you love me, how sorry you are, how you, I don't need to hear any of that. So therefore, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to pick up the phone. I'm not going to be where you know where I am. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to listen to that voice that's calling out from the inside, the reason why. And if we can teach others to do the same, you'll be able to hear your thoughts more clearly if you don't have someone else pouring into you theirs.
0: Right. I, I was in a relationship many, many years ago with somebody who, in hindsight, from what I know about the the personality disorder, was a borderline person, mm-hmm. like a borderline personality. And so they were constantly doing this, come here, come here, go away, go away thing with me. I never knew what end was up. They didn't want to be in a relationship, but they did not want to be in a relationship. And their fear of abandonment and rejection was so big that when I finally was like, okay, fine, you don't want to be in a relationship, I'm done. Mm-hmm. They totally lost it. But what I, I know I had to do in that particular case was that I had to go, I like what I call it is putting them on blackout. I could not engage with them because every single time I re-engaged with them and especially, God forbid, they touched my body, I was back in. I was just like all in. I was like completely, I was just completely like giving them the benefit of the doubt and mm-hmm. being willing to just like, take the crumbs that they were offering me. And I know I had to remove myself entirely from the situation. And like you said, you don't respond to the text messages. You don't answer the phone. You stay that you don't let them know where you are. You stay away until it's almost like, you, you know, you sober up enough to be like, whoa, that is what, what the hell just happened to me? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. And you know, that fear of abandonment, it's awfully sad. But that is usually what we see that we think we can fix. Right. We think I'll be the one to stay by the worry about me leaving. At the same time, they're pushing you away or seeing how far they can push you. But they don't want you to leave.
0: No, they it don't. It is
1: absolutely psychotic. It is. And you're it's saying insane. borderline. It is, it is insane. Yeah. Because they don't want, Oh, what do they call it? Um, Opposition defiant. I think is mm-hmm. the, the term where you don't want something, but you do want it, mm-hmm. but you really don't. I know that's confusing, right? That's exactly how their brain is. It is yeah. absolutely insane. And so if you don't want to live in that type of insanity, you have to break the cycle because they can't. They can't. Like you said, they believe their own lies. They totally
0: believe their own lies. They think but, they're yeah. the victim. Right.
1: So if you don't use what you have, to know what the truth is, <laughs> purifying truths, to actually know, take the time to get alone and know what your purifying truths are and what is your true purpose. I can promise you it's more than cooking, cleaning and having babies. Yes, I can promise you it's more than being someone else's footstool. Submissiveness, mm. it has its place, yeah. but we all came here with a purpose, a divine purpose and when you look into these domestic violence situations, one person, you know, whoever the person is that is not the perpetrator, is not walking in their purpose. I hate to say the perpetrator is, I'm not saying that they are, but the other person definitely isn't because they've become so submissive they've forgotten
0: who they are. They have forgotten who they are. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, who knows what the purpose of the of the perpetrator is? I mean, I have a mentor who would say that they are um, agents of discernment, that some people are thrown in our life, to help us to learn what really matters to us, what are, you know, and to reclaim our power. So Uh maybe their job is to help, you know, to help women to, or help the person, some of us to be like, yeah, no, not for me. Uh Um, But I can't believe that that's really like, I mean, I don't think that that means like, they're not happy. They're miserable. I mean, anybody who is in that place where they have to control and they have to, lie and just all the things that they're doing to just get even the smite, the slightest little whiff of love. That's not happiness. That's not fulfillment. That's not fulfilling God's purpose.
1: Insecurity. You know, Mm. I believe that because we all have, right? So maybe they were abandoned by maybe their father, mother, you know, someone close to them, and they have that fear of rejection and they are now insecure. Or maybe, you know, each one of us can go through the same thing and have a different result.
0: Yeah, it depends
1: on your inner being, right? It's not just your DNA. It's your environment. It's a whole, a whole plethora of things. And so, many times, for example, you know, darkness. Oh my God, I can't be dark. Let me put on the Nogzima. Could have turned into I'm worthless. Yeah, because I'm not light enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not. And so where I took it like, ha, 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 watch me. You know, someone else could have took it like, oh my goodness. So I think that something has happened in each narcissist's life that has flicked that switch in the opposite direction. And they don't have the internal spirit to know it. Um, Maybe biblically speaking, I would say a reprobate mind. Because I do believe God loves us all, and mm-hmm. I do believe that you know we all have a divine purpose. But I also believe you have a choice,
0: yeah.
1: And I believe that they have made the choice to do, go down that dark path, where now they've just been turned over, so they can no longer see. And if yeah. we put that in a physical sense, you know, um, studies show that you can have twenty-twenty vision, and you can be in the dark right? For whatever reason, you know, you could be in the dark for a few months and that vision is going to decrease because your eyes are straining so much, right? And eventually you'll go blind. Mm. And I believe that's what happens to a narcissist. Yes, us imps are like, what you could see before, you know, come on, let me take you to the light. And we're just not able to do it. And we have to realize that every battle isn't ours, and right. everything isn't for us to solve. Right. And the way I found that out is by practicing self-love. It's a prayer, the serenity prayer. And you hear it a lot.
0: Um, one, like of my and yeah, one of my really? all-time favorite prayers. Yeah. Love well, it so much. The power to know
1: the difference. I think it says the wisdom to know the, the difference. The wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. That's the most important part to me.
0: It is, it is, you Uh know, and like, I mean, the serenity, the older I get, the more I really am like, yeah, the serenity prayer has everything I need to live in it, Uh you know, and just because it really is about that is the dance of life. It's like, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference, Uh like, bottom line of all of that is just so crucial. I love how you're talking about you know, just the way that narcissism living in that kind of, you know, being intoxicated by, by that mental, you know, by those perspectives, it's like, even if somebody starts out with a certain level of perspective over time, it's sort of like, they just disintegrate. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. kind of, they're saying, use it or lose it. It's almost like, Mm -hmm. you know, their, their capacity for discernment atrophies over time, because they're so caught up in their, their stuff. So, We have a little bit of time before we come to the, oh my God, Amelia, I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. (laughs) And I really wanted to like, you know, talk about, you're talking about the cutoff, but that even before the cutoff, it's like, what do you, like, what advice do you have for people who are listening and going, oh, this is not working for me anymore. I, I'm like it, you know, the 17 years or whatever It's like, I'm done. I'm done being done. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. What advice do you have to people for that point of, I have to change something. I know it's time to make the change.
1: Support, support, support. Support doesn't always come with family. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can't talk to family. Sometimes family won't believe you. Sometimes you don't have family.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes friends, same thing. So I believe that you should get a nonpartisan support.
0: Yes. And where do you find that? Well, um,
1: locally, you can find so many when you go to the local shelters. You know, you don't have to go to a shelter for a place to stay, they're a great resource. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, of course, online, there are several. I even run a support group. You can get with like minded people that can give you what have gotten them thus far. Yeah. So you don't have to go through it alone. No one should have to go through it alone. And things like, even before I left, I was going to counseling. And of course, you know, the stigma there, if you're going to counseling, you must be the crazy one. Mm -hmm. Absolute lie. Absolute lie is a way to keep you, again, controlled. Exactly. Step out of the box, boldly get the help you need. Things that you don't necessarily think about. Especially if it's physical and it might turn physical, even if it isn't when you, if it's enough,
0: mm-hmm. yes. yes, things to well.
1: keep you safe, like a, a bag of clothes somewhere, mm-hmm. keys in the trunk, a second set of keys at a friend's house, um, a phone that maybe you can use, a burner phone as they would say nowadays, you need something where if you were to leave in the middle of whatever, unexpectedly, you'd be able to make it.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, and I've I've known of women who, um, you know, like even doing something like giving money to a good friend who knows that they are getting ready to get out of the relationship Mm -hmm. and like so stashing money in a place where the spouse cannot find it, does not know about it and just all of the things. And, it, you know, I think, you know, as you were saying, and I've also heard the statistic, it takes seven attempts to get out of a domestic violence relationship. I've also heard, you know, and hopefully this is not as true as it was, but when I was in graduate school and I took a course on psychology of women, one of we we, you know, as we covered this, one of the things that was just chilling is that a woman is more vulnerable to dying, being murdered by her perpetrator, by her abusive spouse or boyfriend, or, I mean, or girlfriend, you know, Uh whatever, but is more vulnerable to being killed when they're ready to make the exit than any other point in time. Exactly. That is
1: true still, unfortunately.
0: It's so sad. Uh Yeah. So um, for somebody who is just like, you know, they feel completely isolated. Nobody in their family is supporting them. Maybe they come from a very conservative Christian family where they're being told that they just need to, like, be a better what you know, better wife, better person. And their whole community is, like, drunk the Kool-Aid of this. Where, if somebody was, like, really isolated or really insulated and really kind of, like, lived in a sheltered environment... How do you go about finding a shelter? How do you go about finding groups? Like what, what are like, let's just talk about even like the babyest of baby steps here.
1: Oh, um, if you go online, there is a domestic violence hotline. I'll share the number in just a minute. Awesome. But when you go to the web, simply, of course, you're going to do it from somewhere that's safe. Maybe a library, a friend's house at work.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Because um, if you're doing it at home, remember, and trace the history yes and even when it's and that could also start or trigger something that you don't want but and many times the what do you call it primary care physicians i know in our doctor's office behind every bathroom door in the stall we have the number posted um you can get help from them you can also like i say call the domestic violence number and that's 800 799 7233 You can even text it, obviously not from the phone that you're sharing where both of you are on one plan, because for those that don't know, any one of you can go and get the text for the other. Hmm? So you don't want to do it from there, again, to open up anything or trigger, because most of the time they're watching you like a hawk, but the text number is text start, but you're going to text it to 88788.
0: 788 and you text the word
1: start S T A R T
0: S T A R T and so you dial in the numbers 88788 and then text in the word start and that will get the, the conversation going. It will and, or you can call or call 1 800 799. Did you say 7233? You
1: got it. That's it. Beautiful. And the website
0: is um
1: www.thehotline.com org And what I love about the website, it has like a quote unquote panic button. Mm-hmm. So if someone is looking over your shoulder, you mm-hmm. can click and everything disappears. Mm-hmm. So um, I still recommend doing it from a safe place. But that particular website versus others has the quote unquote panic button. And it Beautiful. even tells you when you sign in. It's a big red button so that, you know, if you got to get out of there quick, everything is disappeared
0: it suddenly looks like a yoga class Uh exactly Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah well and um I, I love how you're really making, you know, this is such an incredibly important thing to be aware of is do not use a computer where your abuser can look at the cert, you know, can look at the history and check it or check your cookie. If they're, if you've erased the history, but not mm-hmm. erased your cookies, go in and find cookies or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are people who are really smart a lot of the time, and they are also really um, they're really suspicious which is going to make, and paranoid, which is going to make them do all kinds of stuff. And like you said, if you're sharing a phone plan with somebody, don't be texting in in anything suspicious. I mean, for that matter, like, you know, just anything. So go to the library, use a public computer, use a computer at work, do Uh something that cannot be traced. Such words of wisdom, like just like so incredibly important there. Um, We are at this point just getting to that point. But I have a question for you. You know, all of the I'm wondering what you think of the do this so that people know that it's your signal that you need help or something like that. Like, you you know, the domestic violence things of like, you know, do this like and they Mm -hmm. like they have a number of different things. I've always like, I don't know. My thought is um, if this is making social media, then the perpetrators are seeing it, too. Like (laughs) I'm with you. Yeah,
1: I'm with you. But, you know, um, I believe in words. Now, remember, I'm an author. I, mm. I'm a speaker. And so what I love to do is utilize words. And so um, my children and I have words. I had words with my friends that are code words. And it, it doesn't have to be necessarily for abuse. It just means we need to discuss this at a later time or I need to talk to you privately. Yeah. Either or. And so it's things like, oh, well, um, this is bologna, no cheese, right? Well, I, well, I guess you got bologna with no cheese, but no, I need to talk to you. I need, let's get away. Okay. Um, That's one of the things that I use. I know people are like stranger danger or this and that, but even when you're talking to your children, you know, I don't know, their name is Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I only call you Jane. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. means, you know, it's time to go get your stuff we're mm-hmm. leaving or or something like that so it can be something that is so obvious that is
0: not obvious <laughs> exactly exactly well and it's that thing where it's like you have this encoded language where you know like, I've seen that where somebody will say something and somebody's listening and they're like, oh, this person's having a conversation, but the fact that they just said that is not a normal thing for them to say. Mm-hmm. That's a heads up. That's an indication that something's going on there. Yeah.
1: And, you know, also when you decide whatever your phrase or your word is going to be with that person, you only use it when. Right. So they know, Okay, this isn't a test. This isn't a game. This is, you know, so you only use it when it's kind of like, you know, you don't cry wolf.
0: Exactly. That just made me think of like um the everyone button on face or um tag on Facebook. It's like if only people would only use it when I've heard so many mm-hmm. people complaining about the fact that there are people who just use it nonstop. And it's oh, like gosh. no, this is like a really useful tool if you use it appropriately, but if you don't, because then it's like the sad thing is if you don't only use it when, then it's like people are not gonna take you seriously right. when it is time. Yeah. So, Amelia, we now are at that 10 minute to the top mark. And I want to be sure. Can you believe how fast this conversation has gone by? I mean, I knew it would, but like, oh my God, this whipped by. So, what out, like, you know, what is most important? Like, if you out of this conversation, like, what would you kick yourself if you did not share, if you did not say it?
1: Listen to your inner voice. When you're questioning if it's your inner voice or if you're going bananas, (laughs) ask yourself, can I change this?
0: Mm. Can I change this?
1: If you truly cannot, no one can change another person. That's God's job. Let's just stay in our lane, as they say. Then you need to decide what you're going to do for you. Because if you can't change the situation, are you going to adapt to it? Are you going to get out of it? What are you going to do? Because you have options, but you have to lay everything on the table and be honest with yourself. You know, I journal often. It is so therapeutic. And I would hope that when you're asking yourself, can I change this, that you'll be writing down a list so that it's not just an emotional decision but it is actually rational. So then when you're thinking, oh, maybe I did the wrong thing. Oh, I should go back. Oh, what about, oh, what about, but you got this list. yeah. And you see, no, that doesn't make sense. I tried that. I did this. It does not work.
0: It does not work. Well, and one of the things that I've seen for so many of us with any kind of gaslighting, abusive situation is that We're almost, and as empaths, I think we're especially wired this way to like always want to give somebody a second chance and to constantly like we drop, it's like we're lowering the the bucket down into the empty well Mm -hmm. and hoping we're going to get water. And I know for myself that it was like a life with that that borderline personality person. It was a life-changing experience to go this is an empty well. I'm never going to get water from this. I'm mm. never going to get my needs met here, no matter what they say. And like cutting my losses. And mm. there's something about that, like giving, like being able to recognize, like they're going to lie like a rug. Like they're going to try to represent themselves mm. as being good and they're going to gaslight till, you know, until the end of days, trusting ourselves. And being honest with ourselves, like you said.
1: And, you know, everything doesn't deserve or require a response. No, that's how they get you. It doesn't, you know what, as my mom would say, what doesn't come out in the wash comes out in the rinse. You don't have to vindicate yourself. You know, the facade is eventually broken. You do what you need to do. What's best for you? What's best for yours? And okay. If you don't believe me, okay, I don't have time to waste explaining my side of the story to you or them or those that don't believe. Mm. Take that energy and pour it into rebuilding your future, yes. making your future tomorrow better than your yesterday, yes. because that is many times what destroys us internally, even after we physically left.
0: Hmm. You just said something I think that's really, really important is like recognizing how it's not just about the physical actions that we take. It's also about the inner mindset. It's about Mm -hmm. really like, and giving ourselves permission to put ourselves at the top of the list, at the front of the front of the line. Yes. and the top of the list. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. You know, we have to take the time to give ourselves the grace that we give others. We believe that we can give you one more chance and one more chance and one more chance, but we're often so hard on ourselves. And then you have those that are pouring into you negative things such as you're not good enough, you'll never, nobody want all of the things. And I like to think of it as an onion right? Like I'm the onion, big, beautiful red onion, right? Tasty and sweet. And that layer gets peeled and it gets peeled and it gets peeled until you're down to that very center. That's like uh, maybe a little old and green.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't want to mm-hmm. get
1: to the center. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes the center of the onion, not even the onion. Yes. So stop letting them peel away your layers. Mm. Stop letting them know that you are and people are like, Oh my God, onions are gross. No, not really. No, not with who exactly, whose hands it's in, yeah. right? Because it brings so much flavor to so many things. Yeah. So I think of us imps as onions or yeah. impasse imps, however you want to pronounce yeah. it. However you want to. As onions. It,
0: yeah. Oh Amelia, this conversation has just been so good, so oh. powerful. I mean, you really are just such a wonderful storyteller and a wonderful speaker. I really, this has just been a delight. So I always like to do one thing towards the very end of the podcast. And that is, I sincerely believe that podcasts, because they will exist well into the future and people will be listening to this conversation years after this airs. I also Uh believe they have an ability to kind of broadcast back in time, but this is like a time traveling thing. And so what I'd love to do right now is I'd love to just send a message back to young Amelia And um, that she just really needs to hear. So my two questions are this one, which Amelia are, which and when, like who is the Amelia we're sending a message back to? And when are we sending it back to? And What does she need to hear? What are you going to tell her? Like you're broadcasting a message. We're going back in time and we're going back to little Amelia and we're telling her whatever it is she needs to hear. Or maybe um, young mother Amelia realizing this is not working. But whatever point in time she needs a message. Let's go back there.
1: Oh, geez. I think elementary age, somewhere Mm -hmm. in elementary school, I would tell my younger self. You're more than enough.
0: More than than enough. enough. Mm -hmm. Mm. You are more than enough.
1: Absolutely. Because as you remember, it's the cooking, the cleaning, the babies that was instilled in me. Yeah. I think if you are more than enough was instilled in me, I would have looked at life differently. I would have made different choices. Because... I would have known that I'm more than the cooking, the cleaning, and the babies. Yeah. I think that would be the message I'd send. Mm. Amelia, you're more than enough. Amelia, and leave it open so you yeah. can fill in the blank. More than enough, whatever, you know, more than enough to be his wife, more than enough to be, you know, this employee, more than enough to you can, you can do it. You're more than enough.
0: Beautiful. So last question. How do we get in touch with you? <laughs>
1: oh. Well, of course, um, Instagram, Facebook, I'm at Facets of A Star, F A C E T S O F A S T A R R. Um, certainly, I am reachable by direct message on ether. Mm-hmm. And you are more than welcome to join our support group. We have it once a month on the second Saturday. You can sign up on Eventbrite, but if you go to Instagram, there's a link um, where you can sign up and that way we can get to know each other personally. Also on Instagram, there's a calendar where you can schedule your complimentary 15 minute um, session just to try to work through some things. If there's something that you'd like to share or some tips that maybe you unique personally, I'd be more than happy to give. And the support group is complimentary as well. Oh, wonderful. And then- Uh, last but not least, I know you didn't ask about this um, because of my situation. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful to be alive. I'm so grateful to cast. I am grateful of all the things I've survived, not because I've survived them, but because I've been given the strength to empower others. And for that reason, I birthed a nonprofit called A Star's Place.
0: Yes.
1: And on Instagram, there's a link where you can see the wish list and donate. Eventually we will have a
0: I will include that will be you guys, that will be included in the show notes. <laughs> oh, so you, yeah. so if you want to come and help, mm-hmm. there's a wish list and you can just like and let me tell you, donating to like or participating and giving to a wish list, it feels so good. Like oh it will make your day. Like seriously, if you got like an extra even if you only have like an extra five or ten bucks, uh-huh. it's like you're making a difference in another person's life. And it's it's just it's the world. So there's a wish list. And then the other thing is do you want to talk about what's happening in Orlando in June?
1: Oh, we're having our annual gala. This will be the second one for um domestic violence and so uh, I know we didn't talk about it much on the show but because of my situation I realized that the things in the shelter are not for everybody. Let's put it that way to be simple. Um maybe you like apples and I like oranges. Um maybe you're a size two and I'm a size 20. It's not a one size fit all situation. So for that reason, it's the toiletries you'll find on the wish list. It is things of personal nature so that women have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you like degree and I like secret, but you know when you go to the shelter they give you, I don't know, whatever, you know, something,
0: swab. whatever it is, is what you they get. probably give you
1: swab. Yeah, the generic. Yeah. Yes. And so we just want, you know, most people don't come from a shelter environment. Most people come from what they consider comfortable living. And so it's already tucking their tail going to a shelter. Yes. And then when you get there, you're given basically a bag because it's usually stuff that you can't use. It may be new, but it's not something you can use. So we provide a place where women can get what they desire. You know, we're not trying to get your Rolls Royce, but you know, if you're used to wearing Hanes socks, you know, we want you to have Hanes socks, if that's your thing. And we have so many that donate. Bamba is one of the people that donate to us. Um, Super exciting. So we just want you to not feel like what you're going through knowing that you can make it through this too.
0: Oh, so wonderful. So wonderful. And the gala is going to be happening in Orlando in June. It will. Future
1: details will all be released on Instagram as we get closer to the date. Um, What we do is we sponsor 12 women. Mm -hmm. We allow them to pick out gowns of their choice. You know, there's no reason for you to wear this if I like it, if you don't like it. You walk the red carpet to your freedom. So it's usually women that are just leaving domestic violence or in a shelter in the transitional housing. Last year, we had a makeup artist. Um, not quite sure what we're going to have this year, but people tend to pour in. There's phenomenal speakers from all over. Last year, we had from California, from New York, from Jersey, from Georgia, everywhere coming to pour in to show you this is what I look like now but i too can relate to what you're going through and what you went through so it is possible.
0: Mm. Oh, Amelia, keep shining your light in this world. We need you. Oh. And thank you so much for you're making I mean I'm just I'm just crying because <laughs> I'm so grateful that you are you that you know that your strength, your tenacity, that you did it took 17 years but you got out and now you're spreading the good news. You're helping all these other other people who will, you know, like who will find their own amazingness. Yes. Yeah. And
1: that's what it takes. It takes a village and we have to join together. And, you know, one star (laughs) can shine bright. Right. But together we shine brighter.
0: Together we we make like a universe.
1: Yes. We illuminate the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And that is the goal. You know, I want to just take time to applaud you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for your platform. Thank you for all that you do. Many Mm -hmm. times people have tunnel vision and they only see what is in front of them. And I love your heart. I love that you have a broad perspective and that changes the world just as much.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And I'm just so grateful to be able to use this show, which actually I will say, if you found this show helpful, if you found this episode helpful, please, there's such important information in this. Uh Please like hit the share button. Pass it along to other people who would find it useful. And I cannot tell you, and I know Amelia will agree with me, a five-star review. And especially with just a few words of saying, Oh my God, this was just amazing to hear. Amelia blew my mind. Like, you know, Jennifer, like, listen to her and ask great questions. Like, please, like, come on over to like your favorite podcast platform and give us some love because that will also help us to get this message out into the world. Because, you know. It's like, we need everybody in their power right now. It is uh-huh. go time on this planet. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it is, it is, it, we, so please like share it and please five-star ratings are very, very, very gratefully welcome. Amelia, yes. thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. We have to do it more often.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You are definitely a kindred. Yes,
1: yeah. I agree. Yeah, we
0: are, we are. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.